Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm here with you with some very extra special guests, and I'm going to have two guests on today, so that's going to make things just a little bit different, and you know how I like to talk fast and get right to the good stuff, and this whole podcast, we pull back the curtain and take a look at what people are doing really day-to-day that's making a difference, so you are going to love my guest today. I have Emily Sokorsky. Uh, from Root and River. Along with her is Justin Foster from Root and River. This is going to be a really interesting conversation where we throw everything that you think you know about leadership and branding away. And then maybe we start fresh and you're going to hear from some people who are really making a difference. I talk a lot about the soup we're swimming in. So if you don't like uh, the way marketing is going or branding or leadership, then the challenge to you is to change it. So with that, I'd love to hear from you. Emily, what's your day-to-day and what's that mission for Root and River? And then I'll move over to Justin and then we'll get started just with a really cool conversation. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having us, Priscilla. We're really excited to be here with you and with your listeners. Uh, So our day-to-day is typically working really closely with our clients. Um, At Root and River, we believe that courage turns missions into brands. And we are obsessed with language. So on any given day, we would be working on crafting language with our clients um, that comes after our our, uh, hands-on work with them. Uh, We may be coaching some other clients who've already gone through that process and we're helping them kind of roll out that language into their culture or into the world. Um, there's There's a lot of Zoom these days, which I'm sure you're, you and your audience are very familiar with. Um, And our mission, you asked about mission, our mission at Root and River is to inspire leaders to go inward. It's this sort of small thing and this huge thing. And we really calibrate to that every single day. Does this work inspire some reflection and some contemplation? Because that's what we're after day after day. Oh, I love that. So you're going micro and macro. The the journey inward maybe is not something that some people are quite prepared for. So I bet that the the work gets pretty interesting there. But I love that mission. Yeah, there's a going inward, but not for just the purpose of just navel gazing, but so that we can make a bigger impact. So Justin, tell us a little bit about your today, your day to day, and how you work at Root and River. What what do you contribute there to that mission? Thank you for that, and it's great to be here with you, Priscilla. Um, so a couple of things that make us unique that, cha- that, that sort of inform our day-to-day is that um, Emily and I are the product in the sense of coaching. So um, we, you, our clients always experience us as a duo, um, and what they get in that is the mixture of uh, feminine and masculine, the mixture of uh, different, you know, our different backgrounds, um, and also the mixture of the alchemy that makes us what we are. Uh, we're somewhat of a, it's a, somewhat of a miracle that we built a business <laughs> considering all of the various circumstances over the last six years. Um, and so that's number one. Number two for, for us is that we don't have the answers. So our day-to-day in a conversation, and this could be internal with our team, with Kat and Jen, or working with one of our studio partners, or it could be with a client, or it could be just in a conversation Emily and I are having, we, we believe that the answers are already inside of you. And it's my own bias. I think this is partial. I think it's a true bias, but it's a bias that I think most consulting and coaching is really just monetized codependency. Uh, it's this idea that I'm the guru and you're the dummy and I need, and you need to pay me to teach you what you need to know. And 
certainly that's part of coaching is transferring of knowledge. But what we're doing, Priscilla, is we're awakening what's already inside of them because we have never had a client in our six years where when we got to their inner space of who they really are, they didn't go, yeah, I knew that. Mm, I, I love that. that. I love that because, you know, so many times this, this transference of knowledge is really quite forced when it comes to coaching and people do fine when they're in that session. Or as I like to say, you know, you can't learn how to ride a bike at a seminar, <laughs> you know? And so if you're trying to do what someone else is teaching you and you get one at bat with it, and it never really was something that came up from, you know, some uh, awareness or something was awoken in you, there's nothing you have when you walk away from that coaching session that is, is truly real. So I, I love that approach. And I love this idea also that you guys are really more um, strategic questioners, <laughs> I guess, in order to bring the things up to the surface. That is certainly an approach I, I really love. But I'm going to start with something a little controversial because I really liked a, a blog that you guys put out this year. It was called uh, Everything is Obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> I do know in branding, actually putting a great blog title out there that is very controversial, taking a stand, a point of view is always, uh, is always a good thing because it really helps people understand, am I on this side or am I on that side? So I'd like to kind of start our conversation from there because Root and River, it seems, was really birthed from this idea of we could do things differently you know, and, and there's no need to keep holding on to these old ideas of leadership, these old ideas of brands, these old ideas of conversations, and, and especially like what you hit on, Emily, this old idea of keeping language that doesn't even mean something to anyone, you know. So yeah, Emily, tell me a little bit about that. And, you know, how this I, I know, Justin actually penned this. So we're going to hear from him a little bit. But why, why did you guys go with that? And how is that really connected to the ethos at Root and River? Well, you know, I mean, first of all, you said, you know, we had this idea when we began that we, we don't have to do things the old way. Actually, it was more like, we have to change. Like the old <laughs> way is gone. It is, it is sunsetting and this new world is rising. So in the first few years of our business, we talked a lot about the old world and the old way of leadership top down, um, very command and control mindset, um, much more of a masculine patriarchal approach. And in the new world that was rising it was much more collaborative and integrative and focused on new ideas and innovation. And I, the idea that ideas or um, new products, innovation can come from anywhere within an organization. And so we spent a lot of time educating our clients and putting out content that really what we to do was reframe this conversation and to give people a way to understand what was coming and invite them into the new world or at least help them navigate back and forth because a lot of businesses even today although the pandemic and COVID-19 have really accelerated like if if the old world was sunsetting slowly dropping very slowly behind the horizon it just like after COVID it like hit the bottom. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. That that right. is totally I heard, true. Yeah. I love the word that you just used that you invite people into that because honestly, it's really scary. You know, it's oh. like, oh, I can see the sunset happening. It's, you know, and and people feel that sense of anxiety. And so, 
you know, how do you call people out of that anxiety and start getting them to focus on their vision? And, and what, you know, how do you get them to focus on that inward piece so that they can actually, you know, walk through that anxiety and come through it? Yeah, we, that's a great question. We, I think part of it is that we, um, they love them where they're at is one of our standards. Um, and so we don't, we don't use shame or we don't use like, well, you should, we don't do shoulds. We don't give advice you know, all this stuff about, you know, we're not trying to necessarily allay their fears as much as we are trying to awaken their courage, which is different. You know, courage, courage is not the absence of fears. It's moving forward anyway. I think to, to this whole idea, though, that we're centering around, and this includes the question about how do we get them there, is that the, probably the most heretical thing that we believe is that branding is a spiritual practice. Uh, branding is the soul of your brand is the soul of your business, whether it's you or a big giant company. And if branding is a spiritual practice, it can't be done if you're cowering in insecurity. It cannot be done if you're a raging asshole. <laughs> it, it, not really. So in the old world, which, which we have both came from, I'm a little bit older than Emily, but in the old world that we came from, you could be an asshole and have a successful business. Hey, you still can now, but it's just less of a thing. You could also be really, really talented and insecure and go with the phrase that I think is, is, the, is not true, which is, you know, uh, we're the best kept secret. And our, our response to that is always, that just means you suck at marketing. That's not a badge of honor. Uh, uh, I'm definitely going to use that as the pulled quote here, Justin, because I, I totally agree with yeah. that. And the I'm just going to rely on word of mouth. So yes, yes. <laughs> and 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 so wrapping that thought up is what we're trying to do is awaken courage, as I said, and instill a different kind of confidence. And that confidence is that if I am myself, whether myself is the big giant company or a solo, if I am myself, there's an audience that needs me that's looking for me. As long as I live a true story and I don't use marketing as a, and branding as tools of manipulation, if I act with integrity, if I, if, if I use humanistic marketing practices, if I do those things, good things will happen. And now we're not like, okay, there's some secret formula and we got to use click funnels and we got to do SEO all, every day. We've got to spend $5,000 a month on Facebook ads, whatever. Maybe, maybe you need to, but it, none of it matters if you're not presenting who you are truly to the world and letting the world react to you and so that you can start those conversations. I love that. And, you know, I teach digital transformation and, and, and people to become influencers on LinkedIn. And usually the first thing they say is, well, but I don't want to be salesy. And that's why they're not on LinkedIn or that's why they're not on Twitter or whatever. And I'm like, well, there's a really simple solution. Why don't we just not be salesy? <laughs> but they think that with the tool comes this old way of using it, this, you know, this very creepy and manipulative, like you said, you know, way of using marketing tools. But the marketing tools are agnostic. You can use them in any way that you want. And so you need to get that out. So what do you think about that, Emily? Where, where do you go next? Yeah, I think it's so funny when people say that and we get that a lot too, like, oh gosh, I don't, I don't want to, you know, tell all the time. I think that's really code for, I don't know what to talk about. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to tell my story. I don't know what's interesting about my, my story or my brand. I, I feel it. I experience it, but I don't know how to convey that in words. And that's really the gap that we get into and we go deep. Um, and sometimes we start working with clients and they'll be like, oh yeah, this phrase, or I know, and they're, they're trying to please us, I think. They're trying to like come up with the idea. 
and we're always like, yeah, good job. Like, let's keep going, but we're going to go deeper than that. Mm. So what, you know, we, we may elevate uh, or deepen the conversation to, okay, that's a, that's a cool catchphrase, which we don't really believe in. Um, but what's this thing you're here to do that only you can do. Mm. And you feel people kind of settle into that idea and they let go of this idea, this other phrase that always pops up in conversations is like, well, are you talking about me or my brand? And we're like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are one and the same. Let's get rid of this division. Let's get rid of the siloing inside of you. And let's allow space for those two things to be one and the same because your energy and your love and your passion that you have poured into this work or this business, we just need to mean it and articulate it. And then you'll know what to talk about. So you don't have to sell. So what you really are talking about is this really integrative approach to helping people understand how they see their brand, how others might experience their brand, and how they should actually show up in the world when they start talking about their brand. And right underneath it, what I hear you guys talking about is this idea of service. You serve somebody here. Let's make sure we find who that is. So let's talk about that, how you go a little bit deeper with the why and, you know, how do you get people in touch with that? And then spoiler alert, we're going to also head uh, and talk a little bit about your book, but let's kind of get into that, what you do in that room and how that elusive why finally gets talked about in a meaningful way. So Emily, why don't we start with you? What, what does that look like? And what, you know, what is it about those conversations that you love? That just hit me when you said, what is it about those conversations you love? Because I love them so much. And I love them. And I wrote, just wrote about this on LinkedIn yesterday, actually. I love them because they, they bring our clients back together. They do get rid of those divisions and so they've created in, inside. And we all do this, right? Especially if you, um, you know, are part of a Gen X or a boomer generation, we, we, we were taught that we could segment and we should segment ourselves. Work is at work and home stays at home. And to just pull that, that layer um, away frees people. It gives them themselves back gives them freedom and it gives them confidence. We were talking earlier about like the fear of the new world. Fear is where that resistance rises in people. And so, and division creates more fear. So when you remove the division, people become whole. And so in the session, we are, we're not, again, Justin said this earlier, we're not really, we're not even really teaching, but we're sort of guiding people through exercises that force them to go a little deeper and a little deeper and a little deeper. And really, the other thing that we do is we get crazy, crafty, and geeky about language. So we often tell our clients in sessions, like, as we're working through these words and we're finding the right words, we're not asking for the words that make sense to your mind or that, like, logically, yes, that's the correct word for what I do. It's the word that you feel in your body, that you get excited about when you hear that phrase. You're like, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Or you feel challenged. Um, so that's where we're going. And um, the, the process of that is alchemic. It's something that is sort of magical. And it always reminds me that as human beings are quite simple, we want words to express the way that we feel. Mm, and I that is the beauty that. of what we do. 
I love that. You know, I have been known to have a slide during a presentation that is a picture of a rainbow with the unicorn sliding down it into the pot of gold because I do believe in creating <laughs> real magic. And uh -huh. I hear that that's what you guys are doing. And I love I love the words that you're using. And as someone who, you know, knows several languages and, and grew up in many cultures, language matters. It really matters. And, and sometimes you can't express it. And when you can't, then then your marketing message does does suffer. So Justin, what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, everything, amen to everything you just said about language. That is, language is the foundational uh, philosophy or practice that we're doing with our clients because, um, you know, it says in the Bible, uh, in the beginning was the word. Well, that's true in branding as well, is that if you don't have the language right, your infrastructure and your amplification, your marketing, your culture even, is going to have a dissonance to it that is going to be expensive. It's going to either produce deceit or boredom, or it's going to be unsustainable. So what we believe in, what we believe in is a process and we've honed over the last six years is what we call a root session. And this is a dedicated day, usually about a six hour day to uncover, primarily uncover the language of the brand and there's three components to this language that are the most essential. Like when you have these three, then you, um, then you have the, you have the, the beginnings of a casserole called brand. <laughs> um, number one is understanding what your actual mission is, not your mission statement. Uh, mission statements are usually just evidence that someone had a meeting that <laughs> was something that nobody remembers or likes. So yes, uh, we know that you can purchase a whiteboard. Yes. <laughs> we understand right, it. Right. Yes. Yeah, and it ends up being kind of like ad, uh, Mad Libs, you right. know, and, and that. So it, the, the mission is, is not the first thing out of your mouth related to um, what you're telling the marketplace, but it is part of what you're offering them. You're offering them an invitation to your mission and you are showing the world how, hey, if you have a similar mission, um, you know, it's, it's, I'll use Nike as example. Nike and none of, in their mission, none of, they're not trying to get Trump supporters. They don't care, you know, and you flip it around. There are other brands like Hobby Lobby that they are going specifically who they're going for. They're being themselves, even if we disagree with it. So that's number one. Number two, number one is mission. Number two is what we call a root belief. And these are the first words out of your mouth. So you'll see a pattern with all of our clients. And we emulate this as well, is that the hero image, the first image is we believe and whatever it says, or I believe. And it's because belief is the disruptor. Belief is the pattern disruptor because it forces someone to go from an intellectual place of, do I agree with that or not to, or do I need that or not? Which is a common thing why slogans don't work because you can read it and go, I don't know what they mean and, or I don't need that. And you can go, oh, I believe that too. I want to talk to these guys. And it mm -hmm. produces a limbic response of a, of a lean in to, of curiosity, or it produces repulsion. Somebody sees your belief. They don't like your belief, great. They probably weren't going to buy something from me anyway. Mm -hmm. And the third and final one is uh, category design. So we, we name your category. And in that category, we also name your ideal audience archetype. Um, and category is the conversation you want to own in the world. And it is to us outside of getting to that root belief and mission, it is the most powerful kind of foundational aspect of how you show up in the world. Because when you own a category, you and you become that category queen or king as long as you continue to provide the client experience and the innovation and all that you will own that category 
Mm. Uh, so rideshare as an example is owned by Uber and Lyft or, um, you know, search is owned by Google. Like you can do that as a solo business owner, a small business owner, you can develop a category that you can own that then makes the marketplace pay attention because you're having a conversation they're having with themselves. Well, I think that's the other thing that you're having a conversation they're having with themselves, but you've also already had the conversation with yourself. And so you're at peace with that. And I do know, you know, Emily mentioned that about, you know, kind of this concept of work-life balance and the segmentation and, you know, all these things that are really misnomers. Like, what are we talking about? Because really, if we get those three things in alignment that you just discussed, Justin, then we no longer are having this um, very awkward dance of shifting our personas and you know so some even some of that language even putting wearing a different hat and you know uh, all of this language that is really not helping us be more integrated and move a little bit more fluidly in the world of leadership and I do agree with you for those people who have not started this journey it is going to become harder and harder because there is a momentum where people are getting much more clear about what it is that they singularly can do in the world and for the world and and you know why that's important so i love that approach and I, emily i'll let you just add anything else there before we move over to the book but is there something else that kind of sparked when justin was talking yeah you know priscilla just what you said i mean we hear quite often with clients when they, they come to us they're like you know my market is really defined by the bottom and it's highly commoditized and we hear that i, I recently said to a client that's what every client says <laughs> and unfortunately <laughs> every every market is sort of defined by the worst players i mean there's a perception um in that space and so they're like how can i be different than that or how can i stand out when everyone is is just price matching and there's this commodity mindset and the way to stand out is to be rooted in those foundational elements that justin talked about and truly be practice so we believe branding is a practice it is not something you do once you've got the meeting and now it's over um it is something that you get clear on and then every day you show up and you do it and you do it and you share it and it's genuine. It, ha it has to be genuine um, because otherwise you won't want to share it anymore. So we often say that those messages that we're crafting, they have to be very simple. They have to be emotional to you first. You got to feel something when you're sharing that root belief statement or you can't transfer it. And they have to be unexpected. You've got to be able to say something so bold and so courageous that it will disrupt somebody's usual pattern of sorting because we're all becoming highly, highly attuned to how we sort information and attention. And really your practice as a brand is about attention curation and, but not in a manipulative way, in a way that's genuine, that's rooted in who you are. And, you know, our clients, they love the clarity that comes out of a root session and working with us, but then fear will pop back up. And it's in the practice of branding that you overcome the fear. And so that's why we tend to work with our clients for a year in a lot of cases, or with a smaller company, maybe six months. And we help make that language real and practice every day. And we walk alongside them and in that, but we can't do it for them. We can't give them courage. We can help them find the words and then we can support them as they boldly move forward and embrace and overcome that fear, embrace what's real and then overcome the fear. Well, I love that. And I think what we can say from here is let's talk about the person that is not a good client for you. It's the one who wants that magic pill, the one mm -hmm. who wants to have the session, get it done, go ahead and throw it on the website, give it to developers. Let's do that. Let's put it in the marketing materials and let's run a campaign. 
-hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. these are not your good clients. <laughs> this is not going to work for you. Um, so obviously you guys have had a lot of experience in this and I'm sure the stories of just, you know, the moment where you see someone light up and really come into almost a first contact with them, their own self, you know, and, and I, I'm sure that then as they start explaining that and, and living it with their, their colleagues and their employees and their peers, it really does start to change their perspective. So I'm sure you guys have some great, great transformational stories, but let's talk about how things transform for you two and how you came to the process of writing uh, your first book, which is called Rooting Up Essays on Modern Branding. So who, who, want, who wants to go here? What was this experience like? I have a lot of people who listen in my audience who either have written a book or are just dying to get there and, and really want to know a little bit behind the scenes of you know, the, the book writing. So I think one of the most interesting things about Justin and my friendship and connection was that, um, I mean, I, I, I started my career as a journalist and I was a journalist for eight and a half years editor and a publisher. And so I lived in the world where I was creating content, editing content. I always wrote on my own, of, like, of course. Um, but we both shared a lot of passions and around branding and marketing and, and expressing our heretical ideas. And so sort of very naturally, we began kind of writing together. And uh, it was weird, because it was not weird. We kind of had this thing like, we're not weird. Um, <laughs> and so we, we began this collaboration and writing and sharing these ideas and we really wanted to get people's attention because we want them to reorient the map that they've been using that is now outdated um and so anyway we began writing these these blogs and then it was just something that came naturally and of course then we applied discipline to it we did it more and more and then at some point we we're like you know what we can really look at the content that we have already created so this is like a little bit of a hack for your audience um look at the content we've already created and look at it through the lens of where we are now and we about three years of content and we, we just sort of started really taking it and working with it adding to it rearranging it putting it together and when we went through that process we realized of course there's a lot of hard work but we were able to realize that the themes that we had been writing about were very consistent and that they could be really impactful if they're reorganized and revised in a way that would give people as a whole a new lens for this new world that we're inviting them to to be in I love it. Is there a particular part, Justin, in this book um, where you just feel like the very soul of what you bring to the table just kind of came out? I mean, is there, was there an experience like that for you? No, not really, because it was, we curated um, quite vigorously what we were going to put in there. And each one of them have like a resonance. It's almost like um, a, a box set of music in, you know, like for, for us. And it's, uh, it is our art and it's our it is our expression to the world. And so um, I think that the other thing that was a factor in the way that we've crafted the book is that we very intentionally in our writing don't really do how-to stuff. Um, we do, we, we're, we write around methodology and philosophy primarily. Um, and so it is a philosophy book in many ways. Its tone <laughs> is philosophical as opposed to, you know, the five different ways to market your you know, your uh, pet store business or whatever. And those are fine. <laughs> yeah. there, that's, there's a place obviously for that in the marketplace. Um, and I think the other aspect of writing the book too for us, and we don't often talk about this, is that in, re in rereading and then uh, Emily and Jen, our chief of story, led the editing um, of the book. 
Um, but in rereading it all, I, I, I have these, I had these moments each time where I'm like, well, damn, that's good. That's really good <laughs> writing. And, and then the real like test, did we practice this? Hmm. Did we practice this? Because we are fully committed to embodying the things that we would ask our clients to do and teach our clients to do. And um, so I felt like in all 44 essays, we were living those out some, some various, you know, places on the continuum um, and sort of a restlessness to always, to always improve, mm -hmm. but the foundational principles, um, if we go back and read that book 20 years from now, I, or 30 years from now, whatever that we would be like, yep, that we still believe that. Yep. That's true. Yeah, we did that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And that's, you know, we're very, uh, weird cat in the marketing and digital, uh, content world because we started and said, okay, we'll be our first customer and everything that we do in our system, we do for ourselves and we have due dates and real hold your feet to the fire for everything that goes out for us, just like we would for our clients. And it's interesting when I talk with a lot of owners, that is actually incredibly rare. And I did not know how rare it was to me. It was like, I absolutely have to practice what I preach. If this is the way you go about really making a difference in your vertical and being seen and being heard and being helpful, then we got to start here. And I did, I literally had no idea that that was not a thing. So that was a huge surprise to me for sure. And it sounds to me more like, you know, there was a little bit of a joy really of putting together, I guess maybe I would call it more of a, like a compendium maybe of, of all of your heretical ideas and, and all in one place to say, you know, do you really want to be, you know, shook a bit? Then let's, let's shake you with this so that your truth can fall out and you could own it and, and walk in it in an interesting way. I did want to kind of end with this idea of, uh, of how you said you walk through this with people for a year because it's a process. So Emily, tell me a little bit more about that, you know, about the process and, and why, why it takes this, this uh, length of time. Yeah, absolutely. So with companies that have a team of usually around 30 or more, this is something, again, branding is a practice and it's not a department, right? It's not the marketing <laughs> director's job or the marketing manager's job to embody the brand. It's everyone's job. And so what we love to do is once that language is solidified, we like to roll it out organically and kind of concentric circles out into the organization. And that's, um, it's not a typical rollout. So it's not like, here's the language, go use it. It's, <laughs> here are, here's what we have uncovered and articulated of the soil of soul of the brand. How does this resonate for you? Where do you see this being used within the work that you do? And then that's a conversation. It's a dialogue. And it's in that manner, we engage the entire organization. And then we help. Okay, now let's, let's take a look at this language beside our social media presence. And what is the sales team doing there? And what are some fun, interesting ways that we can weave this in? Again, it's about that fear of not knowing what to say. So it's bringing that branding language into the everyday activities of the organization bringing it into content and um, really, like I said, just walking alongside and taking challenges as they come and getting creative about how we, we work with them. And I think ultimately, you know, we want each person who is representing the brand to lead the brand in their own way. And I think this is one of the ideas looking back to the book that is unusual about the book. It's a lot about leadership because the leadership is the brand, but that's not just the, the woman in the, the C-suite, right? It is about the 
every person embodies the brand in some way because you've chosen to bring your talent to the organization that you're working in. Um, and so we, we just try to help be there and uh, encourage our, our clients to, to walk that path and uh, have confidence in doing so. Well, what you're doing is you're calling people to be awake and alive to what they're actually doing yeah. in their day to day. Justin. Yeah, I, I think it doesn't always go this way, Priscilla, but it kind of maybe will help your listeners um, at least place themselves on the map is it takes about the first three months to codify the language. Now we get it in the root session, but it goes through a refinery process. It goes through um, a lot of, to make sure it's right. And then we say, okay, codified, this is it. This is the language. It takes another three to six months, depending on how many resources you have to take all that language and infuse it into all the marketing touch points. It's got to go on your social media. Uh, you got to change your social media plan. You got to update your website um, or burn it down and start over like a lot of clients do. Um, <laughs> you look at your, if you're a professional services company, you look at your scopes of work and you infuse it in there. Um, and then because we don't believe that branding is for just your clients, branding is for everyone that touches the brand. Um, if it's a little bit bigger organization or a higher growth organization, there's a period of time also to infuse the language into recruiting. So we have helped our clients like write um, uh, job placement ads using the language of the brand and watching then the increase of the quality of the people that are then attracted to the brand. This is the issue of use the kind of bait for the kind of fish you want to get yes, on the right. hook. <laughs> and we would say that in, in a brand, it's, it's, it's generally the same fish. It's a certain type of spiritual or psychographical, psychographic profile. The last six months-ish, of it is around amplification. And that's really where marketing execution comes in. And that's where we would partner with, we don't do marketing execution. So we, we have partners, we have strategic partners that, and we have a, an unagency model. So we operate more as a CMO. So a CMO does not receive a payment for the tactics that they're recommending. So we've taken that out and we've said, okay, we get to the amplification phase. You need somebody to craft an email campaign or a digital campaign or a a series of events or whatever you need, whatever we decide, we collectively decide. Um, if they don't have the horses inside of the organization for, to do that, then we have this interesting, unique model of bringing in um, strategic partners to do that execution work. Mm -hmm. And that's all about amplification. It's all about the languages. That's the, what we would call traditional marketing somewhat, which is what, what do we need to do consistently to attract the people that we want to attract so that it, produces revenue. Mm, I love it. I simple, love it. Simple things, tying in the marketing practices to the business model and the strategic plan for the business. Right. Well, we've used words like uh, unique, heretical, uh, weird, and you guys are based in Austin. So let's just keep it all weird. <laughs> I think that's pretty appropriate. Um, but I would have to say that my, the word I would use for this conversation is just refreshing. Just feels like finally, Okay, you can breathe, you can be a business owner and show up as yourself. You know, you can be that, you know, person sitting at a desk writing the content and you can be yourself and you can bring your very best thing, your most interesting gift um, and actually have it matter. So I hear the call that you're making from Root and River to say, 
wake up, you know, get alive about the thing that you could do in the world and don't miss this opportunity. So as we close, what did I not ask you guys? What were you dying to say to my audience that maybe I just didn't even cover? Or what should people know absolutely before they leave this podcast? Well, I think one thing that we kind of touched on a little bit, but didn't go all the way to is this, this idea in marketing. And it kind of goes to what you were just saying, Priscilla, like this fear that we're letting go of, like, I have to be something else in the market in order for people to find me and you just have to be yourself but the world has taught you you've got to say something that will convince someone to work with you and really what we believe is you just have to be you you have to be findable the market is not waiting to hear from you and your market your message and what you're saying is not um, what people want to hear it's what you have to say to the world and Mm -hmm. so you know, what we try to do is help you find an audience um, or connect with an audience who's already looking for you. So there is no convincing. There's just the law of attraction and repulsion, as Justin alluded to earlier. So branding is much more about repelling than it is about attracting. Um, we think about it like, oh, bring me all the people. I want them to love me. No, what we invite you to think about is speak such stark truth that the people who, are, who don't believe what you believe will be repelled very early on. And they'll never come into your system and then be a drain of your time, resources, and energy. So think about marketing, think about brand as a method of repelling the people who don't believe what you believe and finding that audience who is already out there, already looking for you. Oh, that is so in alignment with the ethos that is little bird marketing is like, get, get the nose out of there. They're not, it's not serving them and it's not serving you. (laughs) So I love that. Justin, any last thoughts? And I want to tee everybody up to how to connect with you all. And especially it's so hard to find people on Twitter sometimes. So I'm going to give those handles out too. Did I miss something, Justin, that you wanted to end with? I mean, you didn't, you, you, you did a you did it. You're, you're great at this. This is a, a, this you're in your natural state having these kind of conversations. So nothing that you missed. It was just a kind of a closing thought, which is um, often we hear, especially on podcasts and when we give talks like, well, where do I start? Where do I start? Cause it, it can be, you're like, yeah, courage and heretic weird. And yeah, okay. I'll be myself. And then you go back and you're like, well, now what? So <laughs> we would say the first thing you can do and you can do this yourself. You can do it today is uh, to run your brand through the bullshit test. Look at all the touch points. Um, every touch point where there's, you can, you can draw almost like a circle in every touch point, website, social media, your lobby, if you're, you know, a, a, a brick and mortar, the, 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 the uni- if you're in the delivery business, what the outfit is of the people that, you know, that you're, of your employees, like look at all those touch points, but especially your language. And if you can go through your website language, especially your, your homepage copy, and your bullshit detector goes off, then that's something you can change. You don't even need us to do that. Just don't say the things that make your own bullshit detector go off. And, <laughs> and you're 80% ahead of most of your competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and then the other little thing that you could do today without our help at all is you could begin to um, examine what you really want to say. So piggybacking or dovetailing with what Emily said. What do you really want to say? Start with the truth. Start a truth. Truth arrives as, as often it's like a, like a cold shower or a shock. It's not like warm and fuzzy. It's, it's like, what do you really want to say? And if you have to start from a place of righteous indignation or anger, that's okay. Well, I mean, we don't recommend marketing like that, but <laughs> if you're mad as hell and you're not going to take it anymore and that's what you really want to say, or you're, you think your industry, 
Like we did a root session last week where he's just disgusted with his industry, which is promo products. And what he really wants to say is, you know, a series of profane things. And, uh, and that's okay. Start there. Because if you can have the practice of saying what you really want to say to yourself, then you can begin to edit. You can begin to um, read the room. And now, now you are starting to, you're, you're taking the first step to step in courage, which is to say what you really want to say. Oh, I love that. You know, one of my favorite writers is Frederick Beekner, And one of his books is uh, entitled, uh, Say What You Think and Feel and Not What You Ought to Say. And I, I absolutely believe in that. And it's so cool to see you guys have taken those ideas and put them into practice that can really help all of us because it changes the ecosystem that we live in as a business. It changes the way that I get my next call from someone because when they just keep getting lied to, uh, you know, if we can break that pattern and really start telling truth to our prospects, to our clients, to our vendors, to our employees, we're all going to improve this ecosystem that we live in. And it's one of those situations of, you know, a rising tide lifting all boats. And I love that. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to be in, uh, you know, in the same, uh, in the same ecosystem with you guys. I, I feel what you're bringing into it. And it's this idea of collaboration instead of just, just mad out competition and it's something that is far more enlivening. So guys, you've obviously heard some amazing stuff from Root and River. So Emily Sikorsi and Justin Foster, look them up. I'm going to give you some of their uh, their handles here for uh, for uh, Twitter. So the company is at Root and River. That's very easy. And then uh, Justin is at Foster Thinking. And Emily is at Emily at large. So be sure to connect with them on Twitter. Obviously, they're easy to find on LinkedIn and check out their website, Root and River. And if you are really interesting, um, interested in the compendium of their heretical ideas and their essays they've curated from over all of the years, then go, uh, go out and purchase Rooting Up Essays on Modern Branding. Emily and Justin, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us, Priscilla. Thank you, Priscilla. I love your energy. <laughs> well, from all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.